welcome to It's a Musical podcast, the show where I force my boyfriend to watch musicals that he should have seen and we talk about them. I'm Drew. And I'm Danny. And way, way back, many centuries ago, the musical that we are talking about today was created. Yes, we are talking about Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Centuries ago. That was a reference to the musical. Okay, fair enough. That you haven't Clearly, seen Clearly, I don't get yeah. it because I have not seen the musical. Fair enough. I was going to say, I know Andrew Lloyd Webber is old. I didn't know he was that old. He's not that old. He is quite old. Okay, so the way that this is going to work, Danny hasn't yet seen this musical No, I've not seen Joseph. So to start with, what do you know about Joseph and the Amazing Taylor Color Dreamcoat? What do you know about the story, I think, to start with? I know... Of the Bible story, because it's from the Bible. Yes, correct. Um, yes, I got one right. What part do you know? What part of the what Bible? What part of the Bible? It's the Old Testament. It's yeah. before Jesus. Yeah. Um, it's quite a bit before Jesus. It's quite a bit before Jesus. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Me and Bible questions don't tend to go hand in hand. Okay. So I'm just going to say it's... Um, the Old Testament, and, and leave it that I got one right. Okay, what what do you think the plot is? I, I feel like I know the plot. Joe gets a coat, it's multicoloured coat, yeah. and life is fabulous. I think as... we're going to say it's Technicolour. Okay, it's a Technicolour dream coat, Yeah. but life is as fabulous as his coat is. Yeah. He's his dad's number one son. He's also the youngest of, I don't know, like seven or eight um, but his older brothers are all very jealous of dad's love for him mm-hmm. and the fact that dad has given him this fabulous coat. So they take him to the wilderness, they steal his jacket and they abandon him. And then on their way back, they kill a lion and use its blood to destroy the fabulous jacket and say, dad, look, Joseph was killed. Mm-hmm. All we could recover is his, his, his coat. And dad is obviously distraught. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that he comes back at the end. I'm pretty certain Joseph comes back at the end. He finds his way home eventually. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember if dad is dead and it's like a brother who greets him. It's like one of the brothers whose most remorse was like, I didn't want to do it and I'm sorry, I should never have done that. And I'm so sorry, dad would have loved to know you were here. Or if it's a happy ending and dad survives long enough to see Joe again. That's what I think the plot is. Now, I don't know what happens between him getting abandoned. Yeah. And him finding his way home. So I'm I'm kind of wondering, is it like Forrest Gump where Joseph meets these significant historical people? Like, is there a scene where he helps Moses free the Jews from Pharaoh? Oh, that's so not at the same time. Okay, but is there a scene where this happens? Or does he stumble into Daniel from the lion's den? Also not at the same time. Okay, well... I'm okay. sure a okay. lot of Forrest Gump didn't happen at the same time. <laughs> so my question is, how do you... What you think that you know? The, so the story you've just told. How, where does your knowledge of that come from? Like, primary school. So religious studies at school? Yeah. All right, okay. Um, I don't know what happens in between A and B. All right. Um, I saw an image on Twitter um, that looks like he was with... You know, so the costume design very much looks like he's in ancient Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked like he was wearing a nappy. So I don't know if he's a slave at some point, because I know that the Egyptians were notorious for their slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the girls around him are fairly exposed in that their costumes as well like their boobs are out but their nipples are covered with like um sequins like is it a very jazzy musical i'm not gonna tell you like i just feel like it's very jazzy is that one of the stories like he ends up in an egyptian nightclub and he gets tempted to sin and he's all like no because i'm better than that is this all about like his desires to sin and him being like no because i'm pure that is something that i'm going to talk about cool it's purity now my other kind of theory is that this is actually like a prequel to another musical what? Is Joseph Joseph Smith the Mormon prophet? No. So it doesn't end with him voyaging over to America, no. burying golden plates. No. And this isn't like a prequel to the Book of Mormon. No. Mostly because the Old Testament is BC and the Book of Mormon was written AD. Yeah. Okay. Like quite a lot AD. Oh, I'm sure it's quite a lot AD, but like... Um, no, it's just a common religious that... name. Okay, cool. So Joseph is just there's no there's no connection to this in Book of Mormon. He might be named after him, like church wise. I know a lot of Josephs because I went to Catholic school, and there are a lot of Josephs in my school because it's just quite a big religious name. Like, what would your Catholic school have said to me, like telling this story of Joseph? My primary school was Saint Josephs. <laughs> Cool. Yep. They would not be impressed with my lack of knowledge then. Okay, so the version of the musical that we're going to be watching is the 2000 uh, filmed version, which, what do you know about that so far? Before I say anything Okay, about it. so I know that this isn't Jason Donovan doing it. Um, it's Donny Osmond. Yeah. And it's got um, Richard Attenborough. Involved. Yeah. I'm assuming Richard Attenborough is like the Pharaoh or the Emperor character. I don't know what it is. I know that Jason Donovan played Joseph and then he came back to London and he was the villain. And I'm assuming that's Pharaoh or Emperor. I don't know, but I'm assuming that's what David Attenborough's role is in. Richard Attenborough. David Attenborough. I would watch that one. Oh my God. <laughs> Richard Attenborough. Give me the David Attenborough cut of um, Does Richard Attenborough spare no expense in this film? Ha, 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 ha. Uh, that's what I know. That's oh, it's got um, that's the Joan... only Jurassic Park joke you're allowed to make. <laughs> Has it got Joan Collins in this one as well? That's a good question. <laughs> Trying to avoid the dead air, Drew. Yeah, no, I know. Um, I can cut it. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't got that in front of me. Okay, well, I'm pretty certain. Yeah, I saw on Twitter, you know. Because I saw somebody, incidentally, like, we'd already planned it. This is what's funny. We were already planning to talk about Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd hunted down a copy of the DVD to watch it. Yep. And I see on Twitter that YouTube have got a series called The Shows Must Go On in response to all the theatres closing, and they're starting tonight with Joseph. Yeah, the first episode. So it's, it's uh, from what Andrew Lloyd Webber himself was saying... It's sponsored by Universal. Yeah. Or created by Universal. And they are translating a bunch of uh, musicals to the screen. So specifically ones that have been recorded in theatres. And the upcoming ones. So Joseph is today, the day that we're recording this. And he said Jesus Christ Superstar is going to be on there as well. And my personal favourite by Jeeves which I'm very excited for. I don't know any of those plays. 
musicals. I've never heard of one of them. But yeah, um, that's very exciting. So I'd seen that promoted on Twitter and I saw that it had the cast of Donny Osmond, uh, I think Joan Collins and um, Richard Attenborough. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, that's where I I'm saw. I'm not the... at this point going to correct you on anything that you. Oh no, that's said. fine. Um, but that's where I saw that image of him in a nappy with these like scantily clad Egyptian ladies. What color were they wearing? Just so I can try. Black. Oh right. Okay. So I know what part you're talking about. Yeah. It just makes me think like it's quite jazzy. I feel like there's a lot of jazz hands and dancing. Um, you know, it's a coat, you know, with an amazing technical a dream coat, of course it's going to be quite jazzy. Yeah. Um, I know none of the songs. Okay. I have literally no idea what any of the songs might be about. I'm sure there's going to be a song about his jacket and how much he loves it. Yeah. There's probably going to be a sad song when he, his dad thinks he's dead. Mm-hmm. You know, is this, is he going to sing like their version of Bring Him Home from Name Is? You know, you think Richard Attenborough is going to sing. Is Richard Attenborough the dad? Bring him home. Oh, I just spoiled that. <laughs> yes. This is really hard. <laughs> so oh Richard Attenborough is the dad. Yeah, oh, I'm really okay. Sorry. So he's not going to be in it that much. And oh, this is no, like going back and forth, back and forth. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I really didn't mean to spoil that. That's this cool. is this is so hard because as soon as we started talking about doing Joseph and you chose what show we were doing I immediately had all of the songs stuck in my head I've been humming them for days trying not to say anything I haven't asked you what you know about it I've been working really really hard to not say anything or not spoil anything so when you have been writing things down I haven't asked you anything that you've known and it's been really really hard because i wanted to talk about it and i did a lot of research into the history of it and where it came from and anytime i found out something really interesting i've been like oh this thing oh no wait i can't tell you so the fact that i just spoiled that richard atomer's dad is so annoying but you know that's that's i'm sure you've got like pages of notes for you to have like that one thing is pretty impressive before I tell you anything about the history of Joseph, is there anything else you know about the show? Um, no. No, nothing God else. In it. Does God appear in it as a voiceover or as a we character? We are actually going to talk about that. Okay, cool. At some point. So what prompted Andrew Lloyd Webber? So how early into Andrew Lloyd Webber's career was this written is this early or is this him kind of so this is quite early in his career so in 1967 he was commissioned by somebody called alan doggett to compose a 15 minute piece for a school choir the colette or colette not sure how to pronounce that court school choir based on a story from the old testament That was it. That's what he was given. He didn't have any specific direction to go with it. And he was working with Tim Rice to compose this. And Tim Rice of The Lion King. Yeah. I know that Tim Rice helped write Lion King with Elton John. Mm -hmm. Cool. And a whole heap of other things as well. But But that's what I primarily know him from. Yeah. He works a lot with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Did Tim Rice do Hairspray? No. Okay. I don't think so. No, I'm possibly wrong. I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. 
I'm just trying to think where, I I see, where, I, where I've seen his name. But I definitely know Lots his name from The Lion King. Disney stuffs. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's what they were told. And he was given 100 guineas as an advance, which in today's currency is about £1.50, to write this. <laughs> that's brilliant. So yeah. he got paid £1.50 up front to do this. Up movie. front. But then I guess minutes. if that's 15 minutes, that's, that's what he's commissioned for. That's yeah. like 10% of the play. Yeah. Ish. That's some maths for you. <laughs> I'm a drama teacher. Yeah, I don't we don't do maths. that. Um, and yeah, that is not a lot of money to commission something. But at the time, Andrew Lloyd Webber was fairly new, not unknown, because he'd already been writing for a while, but he was fairly up and coming. So it's kind of like Lin-Manuel Miranda doing Bring It On to help potentially fund things like Hamilton, where kind of he's taking things that might not be in line with his artistic vision, but help give him a name that he can then pursue the projects he wants to do. Is this very much like what Andrew Lloyd would have done? Yeah, but I think the other thing is... He was friends with Alan Doggett. Like, that's why he did it. This is essentially... It's a favour. It's a favour, and he's been nice enough to pay him for it, kind of. So he wrote the the original version of Joseph, and it was 15 minutes long. He got He did exactly what he'd been paid for, and he wrote it to be satirical. <laughs> and he wrote it in the style of pop opera. Okay. For a school choir. Fair enough. So, so satirical to the Bible or satirical to the story because the okay. story, the actual story of Joseph in the Bible, is quite funny, because it's not, in oh so here's the bit where we get into the Bible for a little bit but basically what you're supposed to take from it is the moral of it it's a story that's trying to teach you a moral yes and once you've seen it I will ask you what the moral what you think the moral is but. Don't show off to your friends about your jazzy jacket. <laughs> Otherwise they'll leave you in a desert. Yes. Um, <laughs> Pride cometh before a fall. That's what I'm going to say the moral is up front. It's all, right. all about Joseph being too prideful and people bring him back down to earth. And okay. he's got to learn to be more modest. It's his modesty that he learns along the journey. But in the style of pop opera. And yeah, satire. exactly. Okay. So yeah, so they wrote the first performance of... Joseph, they wrote for the choir, the choir sang it and everybody loved it and it got really good reviews at this choir concert. I think it was an end of year kind of concert thing. Then he rewrote it. Like Starlight Express. What do you mean? Well, he's notorious for rewriting versions of plays and like potentially you might see one version of of Starlight Express that then you'll never see again because he changes the ending. Isn't yeah. that film that's uh, isn't that a musical that has never been finished because yeah. he keeps going back to it and changing it? Yeah, he says that a lot that he Starlight Express is never going to be finished because he changes changes it so often. It's the same with Cats, which at some point we will do a Cats episode. But he's never thought of adding plot to Cats. Then there is no plot to Cats. Yeah, I, I gathered that. But he changes the songs all the time. Like, one of my favourite songs in Cats is Mongo Jerry and Rumpelteaser, but the version that's in the film, the new film, I did not like that, because I think that's the original version, which and is... 
not as fun as one of the newer versions, but it's they change all the time. Fair enough. So and- Andrew Lloyd Webber is very much is it because is it like a perfectionist thing where Probably. he just wants to keep changing stories because he's not happy with it. Yeah. I mean okay. in this case, in the case of Joseph, he rewrote this song over and over again. And this is still like so between nineteen sixty seven and nineteen sixty nine he rewrote it three times. Is that and before, by the, it was, before it was performed? Before it was performed. He's just rewriting it for this choir. Yeah. And by the third time it was thirty five minutes long. So he'd added a lot to it and he was adding new songs. In nineteen sixty nine, Jesus Christ Superstar came out. Yeah. And was actually staged in the West End before Joseph had ever been anywhere other than in a choir. And then they in nineteen seventy two they debuted Joseph at the Edinburgh Festival. Oh wow. Yeah. It was the Young Vic Theatre Company and it was the thirty five minute version. And it went on stage and got rave reviews. Everybody loved it. And then he decided he was going to write the full version of Joseph, which is the version the that we have. The director's cut. The, yeah. The super long director's cuts, which the full length version hit the stages in 1974. So this is almost a decade in the making. Yeah. Wow. Okay. From something that his mate asked him to do as a favour that he he got paid for it, but like so, he's fought, he's he, he's he's had success with Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, he's followed up with Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah, is this Andrew Lloyd Webber having a reputation for kind of religious themed musicals? Because looking at other things that he's done, mm-hmm. my knowledge of Phantom is it's not very. There's not much of religious undertone. Certainly isn't in School of Rock. Um, and Cats, I mean... Cats is all cats about rebirth. Heaven, yeah. yeah, the cats, they, cats, it seems like they go to heaven and they get reborn. Mm-hmm. So, like... I don't know if there's religious connotations in that. But does, does he have... I would say that Phantom does have religious connotations. Okay. But it's only there if you're really looking for it. There's a whole lot of talk about angels and... Like heaven and hell and... Has there been much backlash from the church, from, you know, Christianity in the representation of Jesus Christ Superstar or Joseph? Or are they quite on board with I it? do not know about Jesus Christ Superstar. I have not seen that musical. I know the songs from it and I know the plot, but I haven't actually ever seen it. Because... I went to Catholic school and at the time was not interested in Fair. watching Jesus Christ Superstar. We never did an adaptation of it. I've never... I mean, is it not like the Passion of the Christ, but more like jazzy? It's not that jazzy. Like, it is. It's Andrew Lloyd Webber, but yeah. it's... But is it the story of the Passion? Like, is it... Yeah, it's Jesus' life and how he came to be, like, so prolific. But Joseph, was there ever any backlash or were people quite like, yes, this is a great way to, you know... So in all of my research that I did, and I really looked to try and find if there was any backlash, because it is a religious story, but it's a um, moral fable. Yes. It's not Jesus's life. It's not representing So they're not as attached to it. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, And I found one negative review. Who was it? Uh, that was by a religious online blog 
newspaper and the only thing that they said that was negative they said they that you couldn't help but have fun watching this musical yeah but that it's written out god so in the musical so god's not in it god's not in it okay do they allude to god at all or is god so there's no kind of god please bring back my son to me there's or is god just completely like out of the story has he removed religion from this so i i haven't watched it recently i've seen i saw it maybe six months ago it was on netflix and i watched it then and then the i haven't watched it recently six months ago (laughs) that's not that recent for me (laughs) but i haven't watched it because i knew we were going to watch it yeah and the reason that it got taken off of netflix so far as i'm aware is that the new version of it was going on stage in london with um jason donovan and so it got taken off of netflix because it was going to be on the stage yeah that's fine i don't have a problem with that but it means that i haven't seen it that recently and to my knowledge from what i remember they don't talk about god interesting there's maybe one place i thought that i can think of i i thought god would be at the center of it. <laughs> you would think yeah but this this is it and i thought you know that's very interesting um yeah cool so the original version the full-length original version of joseph went on stage in london in 1974 it got revived at the london palladium in 1991 which is when jason donovan was it's the joseph. palladium where the lion kings basically lived i think so i have no idea just off covent garden yeah 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 um, after he left, do you know who took over as Joseph? John Barrowman. Not John Barrowman. You would assume it was John Barrowman because it's me talking yes. about this. Who else do I love other than John Barrowman? It's not someone you would think related to theatre. I've got no idea. It was Philip Schofield. No way! Yeah, because at the time he was a kids' TV presenter. Yeah. He can sing, he's very, very Oh, I've heard him sing. So he played Joseph? He played Joseph. That's incredible. Yeah. I like Philip Schofield. And he had his short hair, which was out of character for the character yeah. of Joseph, because Jason Donovan wore, I believe, a wig. It might not have been a wig. He might have just had long hair. It looks like Donny Osmond has long hair in that as well. Yeah, he has long hair. Donny Osmond has long hair in the movie. Lee Mead, when that version came out, uh, when I was a child, he had quite shaggy hair anyway. Yeah. And it was curly, so it sort of was long anyway. And that's always been part of the character. Philip Schofield is the only Joseph that I've ever seen that has had short hair. Oh, I'd love to see a version of Philip Schofield. I will, Joseph. when we've watched it later, I'm going to show you clips of Philip Schofield. Awesome. So Philip Schofield yeah. um, needs a revival of it. Who takes over from him? What's the timeline post it? How long does he do it for? What happens after? So he, he took over from Jason Donovan. Yeah. After that, so that was 1991, after that, the movie happens in 2000. And that's the one that we're watching. Yeah. Um, this is the one that I've seen promoted. This is Donny Osmond, Joan Collins, mm-hmm. and uh, Richard Attenborough. Yeah, not David Attenborough. Yeah. And is that, is that a filmed version of the stage show, or is this like Les Miserables, where it's... 
they feel and cats where they film it as if it's a film so it is the happiest medium of them both and it's my personal favorite film movie musical because they go out of their way to make it as much like a a theatre experience as possible. Oh, cool. So it's not trying to be very much this is real life and I'm watching actual life yeah. take place. The backgrounds in it are clearly sets. It's supposed to look like you're watching a stage that's in front of you. So all of these set pieces look like theatre set pieces. Um, and you feel like you're in the audience watching a show. But also, it's not filmed in a theatre. It's filmed on sound stages. Cool which makes it a much better viewing experience, in my opinion. I love movie musicals. I love filmed stage musicals even more, but I think this is the exact medium of where it needed to be. And did it get much kind of acclaim or awards when the film came out? The film, no. It got an award in 2001, and at the... Excuse my bad pronunciation. I'm sure this is going to be terrible. Um, the Rose Dior Light Entertainment Festival. Dior? Dior? Dior. That's how it was. It's, a, it's a Palm Dior. Yeah. For um, it was the Silver Rose winner for music. So okay. the, the soundtrack won an award, not, not the film. Fantastic. Which is fine. Stage show-wise, it never won anything here when it first came out in the 70s it was nominated at the tony awards when it went across to and the tonys are the big deal they're like the oscars of the musical community yeah and that's i think a really big deal to be nominated for tony awards especially because it was an english show and i think the humor in it is very english yeah and a lot of the there's some quite slapstick comedy which does a lot better here than it does in america and a lot of sarcasm and the satire of it, I think, is very English. Yeah. Which doesn't always translate well. So it was nominated for six Tonys in 1982. Didn't win any. Then in 1992, so for the revival version, it was nominated for five Olivier's and it won for Best Set Design. Cool. Which is great because it has an amazing set, I've already said. Um, then it is, because the revival is on currently or would be on currently it's nominated for best revival and best actor in a revival at the 2020 olivier's we'll see whether so is this current version the first version of it since philip schofield no since this is the first version since lee mead so since 2004 and how how did that go about what was the deal with the Lee Mead version? So the Lee Mead version happened because Andrew Lloyd Webber did a TV series called Any Dream Will Do where you could ring in and vote for who you wanted to be Joseph, essentially. And they had hundreds and hundreds of people audition. And I think they started with like 10 or 12 yeah. guys. And then it whittled down every week and they had sing-offs and things. I remember Lee Mead singing, um, I, want a, I see a red door and I want it painted black i don't know rolling stones painted black yeah i don't know the name of it clearly i'm a theater person i don't know that song i know it from guitar hero yeah so but like he they had to do i think that was the week they had to sing something edgy (laughs) and 
I was just, I remember, I remember thinking that was really weird because Joseph is the least edgy show you will ever see. So this is when he was, you know, every year you'd have a new kind of, it was the BBC X Factor. Yeah. That it's, you know, um, how do you solve a problem like Maria, yep. somewhere over the rainbow and mm-hmm. any dream would do. You're missing one. Is it, uh, I'd do anything. It yeah. was Oliver. Yeah. And they were looking for the kid and Nancy. Oh, that was a good that's one. awesome. So was Joseph one of the first versions of that yeah. format? Cool. So that was when I was in secondary school. And we would all, that was my group of friends, the theatre nerds, obviously. We watched that every single week. Like I was watching at home with my parents because yeah. we all loved it. And was it just the theatre nerds that would, or do you think, like, within think your school, the whole well. school? Because I think it, for me, that would have been around the time I actually left school. Yeah. I'd have been in college. If you, were, if you were at school, I'd have been at college. I was in year seven or eight when that was on. Okay, so I'd have probably been, start, I'd have been starting college, or I'd have been year 11. Yeah. Jeez. Um... So Not was it was it did it have popularity across the whole school? Like would it be something everyone would talk about, or was it just very much a niche group of theatre nerds? Um, I don't know because I haven't really talked to anyone except my group of theatre nerds. So I'm not a hundred percent sure. But like, let us know if you watched people listening. If you watched any dream will do. I'd love that voted. kind of format to come back. I honestly think it'd be really great to have you know that kind of idea of that to make a star for the for, for the west end mm-hmm. let's have somebody let's think of a show and, and find somebody brand new yeah. like, well this is the thing as well for the the nancy one yeah you had was it nancy yeah it was the winner was it the one who went on to lame is well no so samantha burke Box. I don't know how to say it, but I know for who who did. Epony yeah. in the movie version of Les Mis. She didn't win. She was second. Oh really? The winner was. A, oh, I can't remember her name. Whoever the winner was, the the, who was fantastic. She was really really good. She was an older Nancy. Yeah. And Samantha Box would have been a younger Nancy, and, the woman who won, was great. She was fantastic as Nancy. I saw her in Oliver. She was really, really good. Yeah. And then I never heard anything of her ever again. And then I saw her once because she came on stage on tour with John Barrowman. Oh, cool. It's the only place I ever saw her again. I'm really cool. Well, I mean, BBC, if you are listening, which I'm certain you are, because why wouldn't you be? Obviously. Let's let's get this format back up and running. Let's, let's think of a, a play that's in desperate need of a revival and let's cast it through social media. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um... Well, I liked that format of having very, I think you, it's like the opposite of X Factor. You hear a lot on X Factor, we really like your voice, you'd be perfect for musicals or you'd be perfect for the West End. Well, a few X Factor winners or contestants have gone on to do. Yeah, but a lot of the time when they say it, they mean you're not good enough to be a pop star. Yeah. Which, whatever, but... Having it the other way around, I remember episodes of Any Dream Will Do and things like that where people would say, no, your voice is too mainstream or your voice is too rock to be musical. And like that was things that they had to overcome in the episodes. And it was great yeah. to hear it the other way around and to have musicals brought forwards like that. 
I'm sure Andrew Lloyd Webber still has that throne somewhere. Like he can just. It's in his house. I'm hundred percent. It's not even needing to be dusted because he probably uses it yeah. to eat his dinner on. I'm sure. Let's let's get it back on up on a soundstage somewhere in the BBC. And let's <laughs> let's cast an Andrew Lloyd Webber show. I yeah. think it'd be awesome. Okay. So, so the. <coughs> 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 I'm just going to cut it. I was going to pause it. Yeah, okay. it matter. You can just cut it. And cut here. Okay, so we're going to talk about the movie. Yeah. So the movie was directed by David Mallett, who before this had only directed music videos and films for Cirque du Soleil. Cool. Which is cool. Which explains so he's got a, a theat- lot. He's got a theatrical background. Yeah. He's- that's, it's not like Steven Spielberg doing West Side Story, which yeah. is kind of questionable. It explains a lot about the what you'll see in the film. Cool. Knowing that he directs a lot of music videos, and because it's sung all the way through... Is it really? Yeah. Have I not told you this yet? No, that's awesome. So, Joseph has Oh, no... so like Les Mis, it's a yeah. constant singing one. Yeah. Okay, so that's yeah, probably singing. why students don't always kind of talk about Joseph yeah. in the same way as they would any other show to be like, oh, we should do this as, a, as the school show because that's an intimidating task. Yeah, of so you time. talked about in, in our intro episode, go listen, um, you talked about students and kids sometimes not wanting to be in shows because they're musicals and the singing is a scary... Yeah. aspect of it especially if they've never sung anything before they might be brilliant but oh yeah you i teach kids who are just the most you know not a selfless plug here but like i genuinely work with students who are outstanding performers mm. but you ask them to sing in front of a crowd and they die like yeah they just their confidence wilts or they just can't sing you know and that's not a bad thing that's not a judgmental yeah. thing but you know they are big personalities who if i was to say let's cast you in this show before I hear them sing, I'm thinking, this person plays this role. But when I hear them sing, I'm thinking, they can't do that role. Mm. And it's horrible and it's heartbreaking for me. Yeah. But. Um, and from the kid perspective. Yeah. I wonder how many have been put off auditioning because it's a musical. Yeah. Especially with things like Joseph, where there are no speaking parts. And. Everything's got to sing. Everybody has to sing, and if you're not a main character, you're a chorus role, and the chorus role is backing up all the singing. There's nothing, there's no part you would play in it where you could just walk on and say something. Yeah. Like, you have to be a singer. Anyway, so the costume design was done by Mark Thompson, who also did the National Theatre for Mountie Governors, which we watched last night. If you're interested, if you're listening, um, YouTube. National Theatre Live, each Thursday they're putting up a new show. Mm. Um, One Man, Two Governors was brilliant. It's a show that um, I've wanted to see for years. I, for my final university project, worked on um, One Servant, Two Masters, around the time that this actually, that the, the production of One Man, Two Governors was going on. Um, absolutely brilliant, did not disappoint. But next week they've got Jane Eyre, followed up by Treasure Island, and then Twelfth Night. Um, in three weeks absolutely incredible go support that on YouTube National Theatre Live I'm sure there'll be much more announced in coming weeks yeah he also did the costume design for Company in the West End and The Madness of King George which I'm actually very interested in seeing 
was a play. Cool. Which I don't normally like plays. But um, he also did the production design. So all of the set and things yeah. like that. And then the art direction was Michael Minus, who I could not find any other information on. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the it won an award in 2001. It won a Rose Dior Light Entertainment Festival Award. The Silver Rose winner for music. So it didn't win for the film or the Which is story. quite different because I think in 2020 you kind of expect that most musical adaptations are going to be, you know, they're going to be a goldmine come Oscar season. I think mm. everyone expected Cats to be up in contention and obviously it wasn't. Yeah. But this is, you know, following the success of um, Les Mis. You know, Les Mis was phenomenal at the Oscars. Um, I think Anne Hathaway won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. But this is 2001. So, but you'd expect, from a 2020 perspective, where you know that musical adaptations are, you know, usually in contention when it comes to award time, the fact it didn't get anything for best score, that surprises me. I'd have thought it might have been up there for the Oscars. it's super interesting that you say that, though, because historically speaking, movie musicals do not do well at awards shows because they are made for fans and they're made for people who enjoy it. Yeah. They're not made for critics. And that's the reason why, like my group of friends and everybody I know who enjoys theatre that went to see Cats had an absolute whale of a time. Like we enjoyed it. It isn't a good film by film standards. Like, animation standards and plot standards and looking at filmmaking yeah like sure critics are going to slate it but it is a blast to see that that film in the cinema but i also there's an element of i always love seeing how they translate like i would love to see wicked the musical um as as a film i'd love to see a book of mormon film you know the small things i'd love to see how they how they translate to a different medium I think the only way you could convince me on that is if they worked the same way that Joseph does, which is the soundstage. And they're filmed as if you are in the audience watching a show in the theatre, but it's not explicitly on a stage. So here's my question as well, because I know that you aren't a fan of the way um, Lamies and Cats were recorded for the sound, that it's the live... I don't believe Cats was recorded live. But Lame Is was recorded live. Yeah. And you're not a fan of that. You'd much rather it be done in a studio. Yeah. Is Joseph done that way? So is this this performance we're going to watch is that they act it and they, they sing, but then the, the, the singing, uh, the sound is dubbed yeah. over. So it is recorded sound that they play and the actors act and sing. And to be able to lip sync to your own singing, you have to sing. Oh yeah. Like so, they are actually singing out and. But that's not like. The but that's not what you hear. Fantastic. Okay, show, cool. Which I much prefer. I have a lot of issues with things specifically like Les Mis, and I'm sure we'll do an episode about this. Oh, I can't wait to. Just so that I can rant about it because. And I can gush over it. I think, that's a surefire way, to bring the level of your musical down however there's one exception to that and that's into the woods which again not seen you haven't seen but they had a live orchestra 
on set playing the music and that makes the difference as opposed to like Miz where they're just playing it out of a radio and well yeah I know know, if you're singing if I'm singing to myself I can sing but if I'm singing to an orchestra it is even worse than my regular singing because I'm trying to keep with with Which an orchestra it's cha- not the right way around they should be keeping with you yeah but either way like it cha- and it does like for me it's a struggle you know they keep to me but it's still a struggle but mm. ultimately makes my singing better because yeah it changes the way I'm not belting things out I'm working properly mm-hmm. so I can imagine that when you're filming something and you have that orchestra there it helps your singing because you keep it to the right pitch and the right tone yeah well I'm excited yeah. to see so we are... the hijinks that ensue for Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yep. I'm excited to see how much of what you said the plot is, is actually going to happen. Um, so we're going to go watch a film. Yeah, and we'll be back when we're finished. See you soon. Go, 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 Joseph, you know what they say. Hang on now, Joseph, you'll make it someday. Don't give up, Joseph. Fight till you drop. We've read the book and you come out on top. Welcome back to It's a Musical Podcast. We have now watched Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And before I let you talk about anything within the show, before I let you uh, come with any queries or commentaries on anything, did you enjoy the musical? It was an experience, that's for sure. That um, is not what I asked. Did you enjoy it? I was laughed. It fun? I laughed. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. fun. It yeah, it was. It was a fun experience. I laughed a lot. So I got frustrated a lot, but yeah, it was. It was fun. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, good. That's what I am here for. I want you to enjoy this experience, yeah. and it was a fun, enjoyable musical. So you want to do you want to either just run through because you took a lot of notes during that music yeah do you just want to run through what your thoughts were throughout it or do you want to go through it like scene by scene let's go through it scene by scene and like talk through things and and i can ask my questions as they crop up okay so because joseph is completely sung all the way through scene by scene is essentially just us talking through the song yeah i'd say we're going through from like the main song into the next song so obviously there are some that you know not every song is going to be on the soundtrack let's put it that way yeah. you know the, there's there's they future are. songs what everything is every, like the whole the whole, the show. whole show is on the soundtrack Jeez. For i was thinking it's more like lay mids where you have like the big numbers no wow okay so introduction to in the film, to the musical, is... <laughs> it's set up as a primary school assembly. Yeah, it's an assembly at school. And is the that teachers how sit it's around. set up for the, no. for the show? Okay, because I thought, how on earth do they stage a lot of this? They do have children in the show. Do they really? Yeah. Okay. Because for me, it was like looking at it thinking, okay, so this is a children's assembly, and it made the whole tone of it very weird. Okay. You know, the costume choices. There's we'll just start straight. Yeah, we'll get straight. But straight off the bat, the costume choices mm-hmm. for a show to primary kids. I just I kept laughing. I kept getting like. I imagine that the. I mean, I don't know this, but I like to think that the costumes were done before they decided the way that they were going to introduce the film. Yeah, I, I think that's the case. I did really like that the 
teachers were the ones performing it. Yeah. I think that was fun. I thought you might like it's that. It's the very first, very first night I've put is, is the teachers, is it the teachers who are performing? Yeah. And I love that. I love that it's like this whole year group assembly and all the teachers have come out for it. So the context of the show is set up as the all of the school all of the primary school kids are chaperoned into the assembly theatre hall that looks like a sports you primary schools in England, if you're listening to this and you're not from England, welcome. But primary schools in England you had one hall and it had those weird wooden apparatus. Yeah, it's the climbing frame. Yeah. That were never brought out at my primary school. Seriously. We never got those out. No. We always used them. They were so much fun. And then you just got the benches out and you would sit on the benches to have assembly. If you were in the younger years, you sat on the floor, which they did not do in that film. No. But they needed the benches. And you sat on benches and you watched uh, things happen. But they have a stage at the front of their hall. So all the children are sat down. All the teachers come in. Richard Attenborough is there. I love that you had Christopher Biggins and um, the guy who played Winston Churchill in Doctor Who. That was a lot of fun. Um, So they all come in and then we're introduced to the narrator. I don't think... I don't like the way the narrator's introduced. Why? Because the first thing she does is she falls on the floor. Well, she doesn't. She she doesn't fall. She drops the Bible. But she trips. Either way, though... The way it's all presented at first, I thought she'd summoned Joseph and this was a magical Bible. So either way, why is she not treating this book with more respect? Why is she allowing it to drop on the floor? Because it's satire. Yeah, but it just, I thought she was going to be there for comic relief for the rest of the story. She is. Do you think so? She's in the whole thing. Yeah, but not for comic relief. She's the narrator. Mm, I guess. Um... Yeah, I like how she summons Joseph. I think that's fun. Mm. But it felt very weird to have it breaking the fourth wall so much to have like Joseph talking to the kids directly. That is part of the part of the show is he in the stage show he talks to the audience. Does he, okay. Well doesn't talk, sings directly to, out to the audience. Yeah. And a lot of it is very fourth wall breaky. But that is, I think, kind of on par with the point that they're trying to make is that they're trying to spread a moral because it's a Bible story. Yes whether or not that moral comes across but you know it's a bible story it's they're trying to teach you something so directing it to their audience which in this case is the children yeah it works it works the the very first song i honestly thought you you can hear the andrew lloyd webber mm-hmm. it sounded like it was skimble shanks Skim, i just skimble shanks skimble shanks i just went skimble shanks the yeah. railway cats <laughs> And that's all I could think of whenever that beat, that note came up. And I'm, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber's got a style, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah He's he got a clear style. We should, if we, well, you've heard Summer Phantom. A lot of that is very similar. Yeah. Like, bases wise. But yeah, he has, he knows what he likes. He does. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But, but it was very weird. I honestly yeah. was expecting a tap dancing railway cat to mm-hmm. come in for that scene. So she she sings her opening song and introduces and she summons Joseph through the door. Yep. And then what happens? We cut back to biblical times. Yep. Um, and suddenly mm. the head teacher has become Jacob. Yes. And we get this brilliant line where all his sons and wives called him dad. Yeah, and I saw you write this down. That's a lot more information about 
Richard Attenborough than I needed to know. Didn't need to know what his wives call him. That is a reference to... I think that's fairly normal in families. Okay. Personally, Um, when you're a child, you're... If your parents might refer to each other... But these these brothers and Joseph, they're not children. They don't... Also, the the point that they're making is he's the father of a nation because he has so many kids. Oh, is that what he is? Is Yeah. Okay, I didn't get that. There's a literal lyric that says Jacob was the founder of a whole new nation thanks to the number of children he had. I was too busy bopping my head. He was also known as Israel because he founds Israel with his children. Most of the time, his sons and his wives just call him dad. So he's a big deal. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, He's... Yeah, he's a big deal. So the casting. Right. It's set in the Middle East. Yeah. These characters are very white. Yes. Is that something that's ever been spoken about in terms of the casting? Has not, it ever been an issue? Not that I've seen. I. It's definitely not my place to comment on. No, and it's not my place to comment on either, but it feels... There's mm. one specific thing that you mentioned way later in the show that does feel a little bit like it's poorly cast. However, I think for the the majority of it, it the point is it doesn't matter. Yeah, it just I want it's something that I wondered about considering, you know, where it's set. Mm-hmm. Um if it was something that people had ever talked about. Um if Not there's that a, I've seen. Yeah, it is it was a fun number. It set up everything, you know, the brothers dislike Joseph because Joseph is the favourite. Yeah. Um because his mum is Jacob's favourite wife. Was. Or was. Yeah, she's dead. I, I didn't know she was dead. Yeah, no. So that, I wondered whether that would be clear or not. Because I know that because I've seen it so many times. No, but, I actually wrote a note later on during the bit where the kids are dancing, the brothers are dancing with their mums. So yeah. I just wrote, is, did Joe's mum join in the mocking dance? No. So she, so Jacob has 12 kids. The youngest is Benjamin. To my knowledge, Joseph's the second youngest. His mum is dead, but Jacob makes a point of saying she was his favourite wife and he was never in love, really in love with anybody else. It was her. So he's... Joseph is Jacob's favourite because he reminds him of her. Now, that makes more sense if you know that she's dead because then the other wives have a reason to hate him as well. Yeah, it didn't make sense. That bit didn't come across. Yeah, it's not that clear. The thing is, Joseph comes across a little arrogant at the start of it. Mm -hmm. You know, head in the clouds, idealistic. Oh, the world should be this way and I'm going to be great because I have these dreams. And and it just kind of, I can understand why people dislike him. It's like he's never had to do a hard day's work in his life. But they're farmers. They're farmers, but it feels like he gets away with more because he's dad's favourite. Probably. And he's gifted everything. And I kind of understood why the brothers could be so, yeah, like frustrated at him. I didn't kind of feel that Joseph was a good protagonist. I didn't care for him. But he changes. That's the plot. I think. I don't think he does change because right. why would he then play such a nasty trick on Benjamin, who is the one that's maybe nicest to him? It's not aimed. We're cutting it's to aimed, the end slightly, yeah, but, but it's not aimed at Benjamin. It's aimed at the other ones. I know, but it feels unfair to put Benjamin through that stress. Yeah, I guess. He's as bad as the rest of the brothers. Yeah. Um, It is very jazzy. 
Yes. It's so jazzy. I think we were 10 minutes in before you said, oh, I saw jazz hands. Yeah. It was great. And it certainly fit that popra style that we were talking about. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've gone through Joseph has dreams and he can interpret them. Yes. And in his dreams, he sees that one day he is going to be greater than his brothers and they're all going to bow to him. Yeah. And they decide to abandon him in the desert to die. Yeah. Which you would. Like, okay, we'll teach you a lesson. You think you're going to be so great. Yeah. This is one of the things that you knew. Yeah. When when we were talking about it. And yeah, okay, it wasn't a lion that they slayed. It was a goat. Yeah. But I knew that they destroyed his his coat Mm -hmm. with with that but what actually happens to him he gets sold as a slave yeah you know i kind of mentioned that he went to egypt and yeah you knew he went to egypt it was just getting there that yeah um so i have a real issue with this number which one that that one where they're kind of talking about like post him going and you know when they they, they tear up his jacket why are they wearing sunglasses it's comedy effect. It's anachronistic. I don't know. Explain what you mean by anachronistic. So an, an anachronism is something out of time. Yeah. So, you know, if, if we're going to show something... The narrator uh, sits around time. drinking mimosas as well. Like Yeah, in a school time. assembly. Yeah. You know, so this is... Why is she grinding up against one of Joseph's brothers while she's performing to the kids? That bit makes it feel really out of place. There's... The whole time I'm questioning the actions of this teacher there's a lot of it that i think is this is a musical for children yes i'm quite comfortable saying that because i think you know he wrote it sir andrew lloyd webber wrote it originally that might be the first time i've called him sir in this podcast sir andrew wrote all of this for children and i can say because it's a it more than anything joseph is a children's story like you say yeah. it's full of morals it's a fable, it's, yeah. yeah um and it definitely is something i can see in the tone However, that's being pitched to kids with things that are made for children it's not the children that are paying for it and it's a musical musicals are expensive to go through you have to put something in that is for adults and, and that adult humor yeah. is i've always said the hallmark of a good kids film is how good the adult jokes are hmm. because the adults are the ones that have to watch 10 15 times yeah that's why i love shrek the bit all, all the adult jokes in shrek that go over the children's heads but the adults laugh at that's the hallmark of a good kids film and yeah you've got some nice adult humor in this which is funny but when you set it against the backdrop of a primary school yeah. assembly it becomes funnier for me and i'm looking but at that's being king. not in the stage show and it's not so that's something I wondered, was was it all set against the backdrop of a uh, school assembly? And it's not, so it's an interesting choice that they made mm. for the film. I think they just had to find a way of setting it up in advance. I think if you just started with her singing straight to the camera, it wouldn't work. No, but then... And having it be a school show, and you, the viewer, are a member of the audience, makes it more approachable. Yeah. I think. What was it do with the Texan draw? Why did the brother become Texan? Because that song is a um, country song. That's something so within... we'll get to at, at, in, in my final musings. Yeah, um, but within the show, he he likes to, Andrew Lloyd Webber likes to throw in a parody yeah. 
of some kind of music musical style. Yeah. He does it in a lot of his other shows as well. In Star Express, he does it. And all the different characters will have their different themes. Yeah. In this, different characters have different musical styles. Yes. So the brother that sings um, One More Angel in Heaven, which is where Joseph's dead, it's a country song. He's the main singer in that. So his his theme is country songs. What The brother that sings the French song... Canaan Days. It's like a French ballad parody. I called it, um, what did I rename it as? I renamed it as Don't Be Our Guest because yeah, I've got no food. Basically. Um, that's a French parody song. That's sung by a different brother. And that's the point. It's different styles yeah. for different characters. Um, I mean, this is when I started to come up with new names for Joseph. Because <laughs> I thought, okay, well, this could also be called 12 Brides of 12 Brothers. And then I realised they were dancing with their mums. Yeah. So... Can that? I, I honestly thought they were dancing with like their what their wives, and I thought, okay, it's. Well, it could be. I am. I mean, they all had wives as well. Yeah, it's just, just it not clear. Renaming it Twelve Brides of Twelve Brothers, and then when I realised, oh, they're their mums. I called it Oedipus the Musical because mm-hmm. it felt like they were far too close and personal. Either way, it was a, it was a fun number. I liked yeah. it. Um, I find it. I th- I think that's quite funny when yeah because they, they are just taking the mic. You know that they don't care. Yeah, the comedy's great, and I really like that they're all so, oh, poor Joe, and then the second Jacob's back is turned, it goes from a funeral to a celebration. Yeah. And then back again. And then back again. Yeah. And that's fun. You it's know, fun. You get a sense of where they are, that you, you get the sense of you're not supposed to like these characters, they're nasty, they're vindictive, and they're just petty. Mm. And that's good storytelling in that sense. Yeah. So... Joseph is taken to Egypt and sold to a businessman. And it felt like I'd stepped into a Queen video. Yeah. Potiphar's mansion is... um... Potiphar Jones, as I called him. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it really sounds like that, doesn't it? It does. Again, it's another Andrew Lloyd Webberism. It feels like it's... uh, Potiphar Jones. It Um, actually really does. And Potiphar isn't skin and bones. No, this is true. Um, That's how we know that he's rich. Because we're in ancient Egypt. Yes, and the the size was his status. I I really liked the idea that Potiphar was in was running a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Which was fun humour for me. Like yeah. I don't know if that's what it's supposed to be, but I was just like, it's a pyramid scheme. Yeah. You know, ancient Egypt. He's running the pyramids. He's made a million off it. <laughs> so Potiphar really likes Joseph. Joseph starts working for him as a slave, and he gets promoted to his head of household. Yep, and this, this is, is why I said this job. sounds it's more like um, Spring Awakening, with Joseph's sexual awakening with Potiphar's wife. And okay, I mentioned so, that about how he was tempted to sin. Yeah. And it This is like, why I didn't say anything about it when we were talking about it before, is because Mrs. Potiphar wants to sleep with Joseph, and she sleeps around, and that's he knows about it, Mr. Potiphar yeah. knows about it, and doesn't do anything about it, but she quite fancies Joseph and because he's a good like uh, pure main character he turns her down yeah it looked like he really had been sold into bondage though (laughs) with some of the action in that it was it was ridiculous but then we got the other anachronism of a telephone yeah, I started anachronism watch. That was that was our second anachronism. It's definitely there were definitely some before that. Yeah, she took I mean, a picture of them all with a camera at the beginning. Oh, she did. Okay, so this is the third anachronism. Yeah, there's um, loads. It's just supposed to be 
it's it's set against a modern esque yeah background and, it, and it's fun you know yeah. it's it's definitely a modern retelling of Joseph that mm-hmm. maintains some of the more biblical elements like the costumes and everything yeah so Mrs Potiphar tries to get Joseph into bed and he says no 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 but Potiphar thinks he said yes 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 and arrests him throws him in jail mm-hmm. and we cut to her the origins of the Phantom of the Opera because it really it did felt when he was singing in the jail cell that he was the Phantom of the Opera but you don't know what the Phantom of the Opera's backstory is oh I don't but I feel like this is how he became it misunderstood and right okay sure we're not going to talk about Phantom today so in the stage show the kids so in this version the kids start singing mm-hmm. after Joseph has sung his opening bit close every door to me yeah yeah are we as an audience expected to sing like the score I, ex- I always sing obviously how could you not so do we get candles that light up in the stage <laughs> and do we sing along to this bit or was that just you know a choice that, and that is a choice that they made they in the stage show I believe the uh chorus come on and they sing back up to him including some of the children that are in the show they don't have candles from what i remember but it's a choice so joseph sings the line give me a number not my name name. instead of my name and i wondered if 24601 was available (laughs) very funny um so yeah joseph becomes jean valjean arrested for a crime he did not commit yep um, now this is a, children of Israel are never alone yeah I honestly thought this is where we were going to start to get sight kind of biblical and have references to God that is it but th- even then that's not an actual reference to God well so in I'm not the best person to talk about this because I don't remember it well enough I have not had an RS lesson since secondary school yeah which is a long time ago and from what I remember, people did refer to God as Israel. and But Jacob's Israel. Well, yeah. But also, like, bloodline-wise, you believe that, like, he's descended. Yeah. And... I just... I felt like this was one that it was a really big moment. I was kind of expecting a light to shine through. and well, He does know. have a light shining on him. But so, yeah, but it was supposed to be, like, a more heavenly light. And I felt like this is where... Yeah. There was going to be some kind of interactions with God, and there was nothing. And well, I was like, the whole thing is interactions with God. His dreams, his prophetic dreams. Oh, yeah, I know, but this bit really felt like a moment where they were going to address the elephant in the room. Yeah, no. And nothing happened. But the set... Okay, so I really like the sets. I think the sets are great. Yeah. He could fit through those bars. That's the point. I think that's ridiculous. Well, also, a camera needs to be able to fit through those bars. I know, but make it look like Joseph can't fit through them. Well, they also then, when the the baker and the... Um, when Christopher the begins butler, tries to get in and he opens the he door. He just opens the door instead. <laughs> that is it. some quality humour that yeah. I'm here for. Um, so I renamed the film at this point. Uh, he's Christopher Begins. Get him out of here. Ha, ha, ha. Um... That was fun. I really liked that set, that one. I also said, instead of it being called Go Go Joseph, this is the song where Joseph invents disco. So it's Disco Go well, Joseph. Go Go Dancers. Yeah. But I, I thought that was, again, another musical style. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a great But then we song. do have God shows up. So this is the thing. That character... So a, a, 
a man during Go 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 Joseph towards the end the narrator and Joseph are at the front singing and a man in a white robe with long white hair and a white beard sunglasses and a lay John Lennon has got flower yeah around his neck comes to the front of the stage with two more flower wreaths and puts one on the narrator and one on Joseph it could just be meant to be John Lennon that actually would make more sense I as a child assumed that that was supposed to be God I assumed that was God it looked at it and I'm thinking okay well he's some kind of 70s hippie disco God God yeah um so I, I looked through the credits at the very end of the film, yeah. uh, trying to see specifically like who was this character and who who were they supposed to be. But it was just this. There was just go go dancers. So mm-hmm. I don't think it was God. But how is that done in the stage show? Is it? I have no memory of that in the stage show. So that character might not be in it. It might just be supposed to be John Lennon, but. As a child, what I took from that was that that was supposed to be God. Yeah, that's what I thought. However, on reflection, maybe the narrator's supposed to be God. Because she knows everything. Possibly. And she's the one telling Joseph what to do. In that song, in Go, 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 Joseph, she's saying to him, I know what happens, you come out on top. And perhaps it's she's the one telling him she's she's the dreams. Yeah, and he doesn't appear until... Because she does start she off any dream would until... do, doesn't she? So yeah. maybe she's supposed to be God. Maybe. Controversial. Andrew Lloyd mm-hmm. Webber introducing the world to I a female God. I highly doubt he thought about it that hard. Um, and then we have the interval. Yes. And I felt so bad for those poor children. There's no recess. They just give a round of applause... Sit back down and act two shots. You're taking this way too serious. Well, no, but where was the chance? Where was where was the popcorn? Where was the ice cream? You would pause it, obviously. But no, but those poor children didn't get a pause. There's no chance for ice creams. They don't get to nip to the toilet, which children are notorious for at intervals. Okay, but it's not supposed to be taken literally or seriously. Well, you know me. So, uh, act two starts with the narrator introducing us to the concept of. Pharaoh, who you have been calling the Emperor. Well, I mean, Pharaohs and Emperors are very similar. My question is, if Richard Attenborough was supposed to be this head teacher, and he seemed quite a stuffy head teacher. Yeah. Why was he not Pharaoh? Now, obviously, because of age. Yeah. But he just felt, he, you know, the the head teacher should have been this more stricter person, because Pharaoh was quite strict. So... For the additional reason that who is Pharaoh supposed to be? Elvis. Right. Which I'd love to have seen. Hilarious Richard to have Attenborough. Richard Attenborough play that character. However, we're not going to get that, I think, from Richard Attenborough. And no. the guy that does play Pharaoh does a very good. Oh, he does. And I can job. imagine Jason Donovan is going to have a whale of a time yeah. doing that. The set for Pharaoh was fantastic. Mm, it's good. Like the, the eye. The, did the, you the... notice the eyes? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, this was actually. I noticed something I hadn't ever seen in it before, which is that all of the ensemble in Egypt, so all of the the background characters wearing the golden bull heads and the... Um, Their costumes were fantastic. Yeah, amazing costumes, but they're all wearing blue suede shoes. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's a hilarious detail. I've it is, but speaking of details I didn't need, I did not need to see Pharaoh's suit with nipples on. And I understand why, but it's like the bat suit. I don't need it to have nipples. It just was weird. Yeah, and 
as soon as you pointed those out, I couldn't unsee them. Yeah, exactly. It just became too obvious. But I'd never noticed that before. Um, the costumes were fa- fantastic. Yeah, little bit risque. A little bit risque. Um, I questioned why Pharaoh needed Joseph when he clearly had Aladdin's genie as a cheerleader in the background. That is so. They're supposed to look. There's two blue ladies with stars and things painted on them and they're supposed to look like sort of a mix of cheerleaders and um like concubines i suppose yeah groupies yeah they're pharaoh's ladies and they're painted blue because they're so so all of the background characters in that scene are supposed to look like hieroglyphics yes and wall art, Egyptian wall art, yeah. and there are characters that look Which like that. Which is probably where Elvis got his idea for his act. He studied Egyptian hieroglyphics yeah, and sure. saw the pharaoh in that style and thought, oh, I could make something yeah, out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, so pharaoh's been having these, these awful nightmares, these awful dreams every night about corn and cows and things, and his butler says, I know a guy in jail who can... Uh, translate dreams I can go and get them for you Enter Joseph Enter Joseph Um, And then we have the best song Which is Song of the King Which is where Pharaoh Sings his Elvis song And is amazing And has another anachronism When he's holding that microphone Anachronism Yeah but it looks like they. That's really clever though Because they made it look like his scepter It does It is very clever It is very clever I really liked it um, I think it's. I especially liked it when Pharaoh started to come a little bit jealous. Yeah, of all the was, girls. But was he jealous of the girls? Was he jealous that Joseph wasn't paying him attention? I think the point is, like, it's... she makes a point of saying, the narrator makes a point of saying that Pharaoh gets all the attention. So Joseph being loved by Charlie all the girls, toy. yeah, is he? He's getting jealous. And I think Pharaoh is all. all almost frustrated that Joseph's getting credit for this when actually it should be Pharaoh. It's his dreams. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then. So you said earlier, you feel like Joseph doesn't change. No. There's one part where I agree with you on that. Yeah. And that is when he's explained the dream to Pharaoh and he sings, who this man could be, I just don't know. He sings I just it over don't know, I just don't know. His name is Joe. Yeah, you I was waiting, such you an obvious rhyme. But when he sings that, the third time and then Pharaoh says Joe he's already pointing to himself yeah. he's like it's me exactly obviously Joe's very arrogant I don't feel he deserves all this credit for being a nice guy I think he's he's a good singer oh no don't get me wrong great singer but I think as a character yeah he's a little obnoxious I don't have any sympathy for him he locks into everything mm. um, so then <laughs> we go back to the brothers happy, happy ending for Joseph but we have to cut back to Canaan. I didn't like. I really didn't like the French accent. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't like that each character had a different style and different voice. I did call this "Don't be our guest." This just serves as exposition to show their life has got more miserable without Joseph. Um, it sets up the finale. It's it's just there for plot. Yeah, that's my popcorn song during that song i went to the bathroom like that's what that song's for yeah um i don't like the sexy dancing with their mums so i'm really hoping it is that they're wives i assumed by this point it's it's but then this but this woman goes off with richard attenborough at the end so i think she's not credited as a wife 
but she goes off with Richard Attenborough who licks his lips and follows her I did not need to see yeah that's creepy I didn't need to see horny Santa Claus <laughs> like that upset me I did not need to see that it bit it is a bit creepy so this is either she... a mum or he's got going off with one of his kids wives no she's she's not credited as wife or mother she's credited as Apache dancer yeah which is this strange maybe that's a style of dance I just don't know about but she is credited as being different to yeah. the other women. Yeah. Which is fine. I So we then cut to the big finale, the brothers. No. They we, go to Egypt. Yeah, yeah, this is where the brothers go to Egypt, and that's the big kind of... Do you know how many songs are between what you're saying? And yeah, the there's like three or four songs, but this is the no. big point of action. Like, it's it's them going, and it's there's setting seven up. seven songs left. Seven songs? Yeah. All blurred into one. But... It's like the final bit of action. Like, this is the big confrontation. Yeah. Because... They go and see Joseph. They're going to see Joseph. And we've got this brilliant dramatic irony because they don't know who Joseph is. Yeah. And I love that because you've got this superiority of Joseph and then begging him. No idea. Acting like they're the closest of brothers when Joseph knows you're not. You're not loyal. Yeah. Um, and the song is called Grovel, Grovel. Yeah. And it, it you know... Joseph is getting his chance for revenge now. Yes. And... So we go from Grovel Grovel into Who's the Thief. Yeah. And I feel... I feel really bad for poor Benjamin. Because it feels like he was the only one... You saw it in earlier scenes that he was the one sat by Jacob's side. He wasn't joining in with the dancing as much in the celebration. Yeah, he's the he youngest. Was, he was much more like, oh, poor dad, I know you, you, lo- you lose Joseph and you're sad. Hmm. So why pick Benjamin? It felt really mean to me. I felt... I've actually written... Joseph's kind of a dick. Yeah, well, so I personally, I remember watching this and understanding that Benjamin didn't want to be a part of it. Yeah. I don't know whether that's true no, I or don't. from the Bible. <laughs> I don't know where I got that idea from, but I think the idea is Benjamin's the youngest. But I remember. They love him. I remember that, like I said to you earlier, there's one, if, if I couldn't remember if it was dad survives long enough or if it's one brother who's more remorseful. Mm. And I remember there being like a brother who's nicer than the rest of them. Yeah, it's Benjamin. And it's Benjamin. And I just feel like of all the people to pick on. Well, he, but he's not. He's using Benjamin as a catalyst to pick on the others. But it's still awful to pick on someone. Yeah, and he is the littlest one. Yeah. And the most innocent. Because they, they even make a point in the uh, Who's the Thief song Yeah. that... Tim, ben- Tim, it's ben- Benjamin. Yeah, Benjamin goes last to show whether or not he's. Oh, Joseph accuses um, them of stealing a golden cup from the palace, yeah. and he puts it in jo- in Benjamin's bag, and the rest of them are all sort of looking at each other like, oh, who's gonna have stolen it? And by the time it gets to Benjamin, they're like, well, it isn't him. They, yeah. they fully believe that it isn't Benjamin because they know that he's the innocent one, which then when it is proven to be him, they're given the opportunity to be good brothers. Oh, yeah, and I really liked that sense of loyalty. But that only works because of Benjamin. Yeah, I really like that sense of loyalty from them. Mm. But it's very out of character for them. I've not seen anything up to this point that suggests they would be more loyal. Had it been any of the other brothers... They'd have pointed to the last yeah, one. Had you been busted? That's the thing. I don't think if, if he'd have picked like Reuben, they'd have left him. Yeah, they'd have just been it's like, ah, oh, Reuben, you got. Yeah, and I just. Joseph's trick 
doesn't work because it doesn't prove loyalty. He's just so happened to choose the one brother that everyone kind of feels more defensive. Maybe because he is the baby, mm. they feel more defensive over him and they know that he's he's a good man and wouldn't have done it. Yeah. So I don't think his trick works. I think it's mean. But I, it does work. It does what he wants it to. It does, he does what he wants it to. Um, and then we have the problematic-ish song, the Benjamin Calypso. Yeah. Oh, yes. Again, I did not like so this. So explain to me what your reaction to this was, because I've never really thought of it at all. But that again, I'm I not, think I sh- I'm not the person to be commenting on. No, and neither am I. And I always I'm very aware that when I think of this, I think it's because I know that when I've worked with students in the past, we've done things like hairspray, we've done school of rock, and when you cast things with kids especially I've always been very mindful of how they're going to react mm. now Tamika in School of Rock doesn't have to be a black role I've seen it performed um, I've seen School of Rock three times and it's never necessarily been on the West End when I've seen it a black role yeah the student I cast for it was because she's got a brilliant voice and the bit where Tamika stands up and says you gave us this voice and I could just envision her yeah after I cast it, she came to me and she asked me very specifically, did you give me this role because I'm mixed race? That's very sad. Yeah, and I, I sat down with her and I, I, I explained my casting choice to her completely. And by the end, she was very happy that I hadn't cast her for that reason. Yeah. Um, she was very happy. She understood my vision. She agreed with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the courage of her to come and talk to me, to sort of say that was, was amazing. But nonetheless, was a Something I've always been mindful of this. Now, this Calypso song. Right. So there are 12 brothers in this show. Yes. Joseph is one of them. Of the brothers, one of them is black. Which I'm fine with because he had multiple wives. And a couple of them are mixed race. Yeah. Now, that's, yeah, as you say, that's fine because Jacob has hundreds of wives and they could be whoever. Exactly. But. To give this style song. Yeah. So the song is a calypso. It's sung in a Jamaican accent, which has not been used for the rest of the show. Yeah. And it is the black brother that sings that yeah. song. Now, I don't imagine he would do it if he was uncomfortable. No. However, I can't say that because I don't know that. No, me either. And obviously we're talking with 2020 brains. Yeah, and this is 2000. Talk about, yeah, so. people talk... People, well, it was 1999 it would have been filmed. Yeah. So very different mentalities there. And, you know, perhaps I'm looking more into it because of my experiences of talking with people who are concerned that are being typecast for that role. You know, I've also yeah. worked with students who we've done Curious Instant and they said, well, I can't be Christopher because I'm not white. And I'm thinking, well, what, anyone could be Christopher. It's not, it's nowhere said that Christopher in Curious Instant is a white character. But it's something that is very much on the brain, I think, of young people when they play roles. Yeah. And so... it's something I've started to think more about when I look at the practice of what resources I use. Mm-hmm. Is, is this going to just you know appeal only to to white british kids or is there something i can do more however andrew Lloyd Webber has a bit of a history of this yeah because you have things that work the same way so for for this he's chosen styles and music and what has happened is he's chosen a calypso with 
which Jamaican style music, and that's what they're going for. That like Jamaican music sound with steel drums and things like that, and a black man is singing it. You have exactly the same thing in Star Express. There's a jazz, a not jazz, sorry, blues song, yeah. which explains how you write a blues song, and we actually use it in music lessons to teach students the the like ABCs of writing blues music. Again, sung by a minority black character, who kind of isn't in the rest of the mm. the show, and isn't or is in the rest of the show, isn't important in the rest of the show. It's something that's reused over and over again, having a style of music that does come from a black background that you then cast a black character to sing, only for it to slightly backfire. And I'm sure it was done, or I like to think it was done with the best intentions. Oh yeah, I think it's good. it's backfired slightly because then it's just very obvious from the rest of the casting. Yeah, and it's a nice, it's a nice touch in the sense of representation you're ensuring it's accessible to any any performer mm-hmm. but like you say it stands out and I, I didn't like it because you could have done any style anyone can sing any style you know it didn't have to be that at all and it just felt yeah it felt very out of place it wasn't one I enjoyed it actually turned off massively to that whole song I couldn't tell you what happened I couldn't remember I was I was too frustrated by that song to kind of take any attention to it. Yeah. Anyway, we go from that into an explanation of how Joseph has been and what what he's been doing. And he reveals himself to the brothers and says, it's me, I've been alive all along. It was me all along. Yeah. And And we get our lovely, happy reunion where Richard Attenborough stumbles when he sees Joseph. Actually makes me so sad. And it's, it's not even because... I don't think it's because I care particularly about Jacob, it's Richard Attenborough. Oh yeah, because Richard Attenborough is great. Yeah. I think I I saw that and I got worried, like, oh no, is he died just as he's finding his son? And he luckily, said that to me a couple of times. Is, is he dead? I'm so glad he wasn't dead. I'm so glad he got to save that moment and be reunited. It was a happy ending. Yeah. Um, They're reunited and he gives him back the coat. And then all of the children come on to sing the finale, which is a reprise of Any Dream Will Do. Any Dream Will Do. And then we get the amazing credits. Which the reveal show... that all the teachers were the ones performing. Yeah. Which, I mean... I really like that. I felt like it was Summer Heights High that, you know, <laughs> Mr. G had cast himself <laughs> as Joseph. Yeah. And I just, it's so, pop- again, it just becomes... Especially because he reappears in a suit. Yeah, it becomes very problematic in the sense of your teacher has just performed this whole play to you topless and in a nappy at one point. um, It becomes very problematic that then, like, you've got all these different teachers that have performed. You've got um, Joan Joan Collins Collins. has had her boobs out for most of this thing. Like, she hasn't. No, she hasn't, but it looked like she had. The costume for that was questionable. Uh But again, it just became very much like this is a a school show where your teachers have performed it. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. What did you do today, Lisa? Oh, I... Uh, uh, I watched Mrs. Collins. Uh... Her teachers performed jokes. Oh, how was it? It was good. We saw we saw Mr. Osman with his shirt off the whole show. Yeah. You know, it just it, again, it made me laugh. This backdrop of it being in a primary school, I don't think was the right backdrop for the show. Mm. 
it was fun. It made me laugh more than maybe it would have usually, you know, when I realised, ha, he was their teacher. I bet he's their drama teacher. Ha, ha, ha. I don't know if I'd have had that same laugh had it not been set with the backdrop of primary school. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the font to the credits made me think I was watching Buffy. I yeah. think the font is very similar to Buffy. Okay. So overall, do you have any other comments about it? Um, my MVP is is my favourite credit was Mr. Osmond's personal trainer. In the credits. Yeah, the, yeah I mean, that is he looked funny. he was in great shape. Yeah. So they clearly worked overtime with him. So that's my MVP for this show is uh, Mr. Osmond's personal trainer. Excellent. So the um The reviews. The reviews. So for the show, there were a couple of reviews that were saying there was the one that I mentioned earlier that said that God had been written out of yes. the story, which I think in all fairness is true. Yeah. There's not... There's no God in this. It's all very satirical. It's very... Um, like, the, it, it isn't trying to be religious, I don't think. It's telling a religious story, but it's not trying to be... Yeah, it's more set in a, a historical backdrop than it is a biblical backdrop. Like, you're... Yeah. This is a real story that happened during the Egyptian time. Mm. Um, and that's fine. I don't think that's a problem. I'm going to stop recording now and then we're going to put it onto a new one. Yeah. It's going to stop in a second. Okay, so reviews. I talked a little bit about the reception of the, the stage show. Yeah. But so the film, when the film came out, the majority of the, view, the reviews were that it was positive. People liked it. Rotten Tomatoes has maintained an 83% wow. approval rating, which I would agree with. Like, it is a really, really good musical, like film musical, yeah. I think. It's been described as a lively interpretation, which is one of my favourite... I um, would not disagree with that. It was very lively. Yeah, and people call it sweet and like enjoyable. I think one of the best ones I read was that it was um, like you can't help but love it. You you find yourself having a good time, whether or not you're interested in what's happening. Yeah, I can see that. I feel like the time really did fly by. It was only actually an hour short. and 20 minutes, yeah. but it did really feel like a lot shorter. It wrapped up and I thought, that can't be it. Mm. Um, yeah, I would say it was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the... I mean, there are really very, very few negative reviews. And the ones that negative. are negative are saying that it's simplistic. Yeah. Which it is. For something that Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote a 15-minute version of and managed to stretch it to... To that. An hour and 20 minutes. That is interesting. And it's is always it, going to be longer in the theatre. I was going to say, have they cut anything? Yeah, from the interval. The so that's, that's all it is. Yeah. So it is still realistically about that long. Yeah, it's a when short you go one. To, Okay. It's not quite Phantom of the Opera, which goes on for about eight hours. Well, no, because there are some musicals that do really go on a long time and not complaining, because when they're engaging, they're engaging. Oh, yeah. But I kind of feel maybe if I'd gone to a theatre in London, paid premium prices, and we had an hour and 20 minutes in total, I'd been ripped off. It's such a good show, though. I, I feel like we're maybe missing more character development or more plot. Maybe. Um, so it's very, you know, I guess my question is the reviews for the film and the stage show are very similar. Yeah. Okay. A lot of it is that it's simple, but fun and yeah. that people enjoy it. 
yeah. what would you say your review is for this? Um, my favourite song. Yeah. I'm going to say is probably the opening Any Dream Will Do. Okay. I think I, that's the known... You said you'd heard that before. Yeah, mostly because like I've heard you sing it, but yeah. I just think it's the only one that really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's the only one that really stuck with me. I don't. I couldn't tell you any of the other songs, okay. really. So that's your favourite um, song? That was my favourite song. What's the, what would you say your popcorn song is? What, what I'd skip? Yeah, so popcorn song is the song on the soundtrack that you would skip because you don't... If you were going to listen to a whole soundtrack in one go... There's always one song that you think, oh, I don't need this one. Um, it was the uh, Canon Days. Canon Days. Canon yeah. Days. Me too. Um, I, I didn't care for that one. If we remove the issue with Benjamin's Calypso, I think that's a that fun song. That yeah. song furthers the plot. It's them yeah, vying for I, him. You know, I think that's a close second. Okay. Um, I thought the sets were okay. Okay. I didn't like the desert or Joseph's home. Jacob's um, home. Yeah, Jacob's home, Joseph's the home. The desert, yeah. yeah I didn't okay. like that one. I thought it was very cheap and tacky. I, think... I did like the rest of the sets. I thought um, I really liked um, Potiphar's home. Yeah. I thought that was fun. I really liked the prison cell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if you could have got through the bars, I think that added to the fun of it. Yeah. I really liked Pharaoh's setup. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like Jacob's home. I just thought it was. I think it was, that's supposed to show you the difference, though. That I know, but it, it looked. It looked more like a set. The others felt more like extravagant mm, and kind okay. of polished. This felt cheap and tacked together. Like the little cacti were awful, and yeah. and the well looked really just. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan of it. The costumes were amazing. Yeah. Um, although I was surprised his jacket didn't feature as much, considering that's the name of it. But well, the point is, it's ripped away from him. No, I know. And everything happens because of it. But for yeah, as a MacGuffin, it's great. Yeah. I was surprised it wasn't. It didn't feature much. To be completely honest, I was kind of like. I was surprised he didn't. And I, I feel like I remember in the stage show at the end, when Jacob hands him the coat, he puts it on him. So he's wearing it at the end of the show. And he isn't in the film. No. They don't put it back Um, on. But I really do like the set, uh, the the costumes. I love Pharaoh's costume. Mm -hmm. I really like the Potiphar costume. Yeah. The the Uh, whole, everybody that works for Potiphar wears these amazing white sort of art deco costumes. And they're gorgeous. I like his little Sweeney Todd hair as well. With the white stripe, Um, yeah. I did think Mrs. Potiphar's costumes, you know, I've joked about them. But I think... The design in them is really it tells lovely. you everything you need to know about that exactly, character. and and the fact that all of her you know ladies have similar and the costumes. two guys yeah I really like their costume and the aesthetic all the characters in the background during Pharaoh's song mm-hmm. were fantastic and every single brother has his own yes uh, his own pattern on his costume and it's repeat repeat patterns that are in very similar muted colours yeah. because they live in the desert. But they all have their own sort of tone of colour and they all have their own pattern. And when you look at them all lined up at the beginning... They make the Technicolor coat. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's very, very clever. This is why he's the favourite, because he's got one of it. He's part... He's got He's got all of them. He's got all of them. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, I really like Toys costumes. I really liked when he meets his dad and he's got, like, his armour with, like, his sculpted oh, his, abs. Yeah. His gladiator costume is fun. Yeah. 
Um, it's not Egyptian at all. I didn't like the songs. You don't like the songs? I really don't like... I mean, the tough, di- you're going to have to put up with me singing them for the next I, week. But what I didn't like is the different style of each song. Alright. I really didn't like that. I'd have much preferred for them to have one style and stick to it. So the comparison I have is Alan Menken, that for all the Disney films, he chooses a style, style. Yeah. and he sticks to it. That's fair. So um, Hercules is... Um, Gospel. Gospel. Yeah. And, fan- and Phantom, Hunchback <laughs> of Notre Dame is opera. Yeah. I really like... And The Little Mermaid is reggae. Yeah. But... but He claims Calypso reggae. But what I like with the way he does his songs and his, 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 his work is he themes it. Hmm. Aladdin is a popera. Yeah. You know, if you think Aladdin is probably the most kind of Joseph style. I suppose. But that style fits in every single number. Um, the only musical I've ever seen besides Joseph where there's different shifts in tone for songs is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where they introduce each of the different children oh yeah because Veruca's ballet and Violet is pop and yeah and hip hop and then you've got the German yodelling and Mike TV song is kind of rock that's the only time Mike TV song is um, auto yeah, but like it, it works. For, I, I see what you mean. But it's the only time I've ever seen it where it works because it really fits the side of each the of these different children. But then the rest of the show has a yeah, has a theme. But exactly. I would argue that Joseph does. It has a theme that runs underneath because even in the background when things are happening, I felt it was jarring. It no. took me out of it. It took me out of it. I didn't enjoy it. I think musically. I would rather, I prefer them to have one strict theme. You know, Waitress is country, yeah. and I like that. Do you think that you can tell from the way that the music is that he maybe started with the songs that have the most theme and then started adding songs Oh, in yeah, I think he's definitely time. added different things in and changed and, and lost that style. It wasn't like it's something that was written in one go. Like you say, it was over 10 years, nearly, yeah. of building and adding more to this. Um, I think it shows, because I think it's very... It, it's like a puzzle, that he's got different bits, and maybe some of those puzzle pieces have had to be hammered in to make them fit. <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't fit smoothly, and it takes me out of the action a lot. I... With my musicals, I like the style to remain consistent. Okay. Um, you know, and there are differences. There are some, there are some exceptions where I think maybe the exceptions are part of the magic. You know, Book of Mormon, where each song represents a different musical. You know, yeah. that's part of the fun of it. That's a deliberate choice. But I think so is this. But it doesn't work for me. I think maybe... There was no rhyme or reason for it. Yeah. And I just, it took me out of it. So musically, I didn't enjoy it. Um, yeah, it was fun. I think it was cheesy. It was silly. It was over the top. And I think all those reviews that you've given to me are accurate. Hmm. But I would give it two out of five stars. Oh. I did. I can see more than two on your I mean, it's two and a half stars. Two and a half. Two and a half. I don't know if that counts. I mean, if we're going to round up, then I'd say it's not a three star. It'd be two star. I think I... I love Joseph. I love this show. This is something that me and my brother would always sing. And if we're in a car on a car journey somewhere with my mum, we're all going to sing Joseph at the top of our lungs because we know all the words and those songs are hilarious. But I think if I was rating it, I'd give it a four out of five. 
stars. I do think that partly it's because I'm watching it as a 30-year-old. Yeah, and I have nostalgia attached yeah, to it. Yeah, if I'd seen this when I was younger, I think this is definitely aimed at younger people. Yeah. I think I would enjoy it more. Um, I think because I'm watching it older with a, you know, kind of a palette that I've got very specific tastes there's a difference and maybe yeah. I'd appreciate it more when I was younger and I'd have laughed more at the silly costumes and the silly songs looking at it as a 30 year old musically it doesn't fit what I'm after yeah um it was fun it was I, I enjoyed it I don't know if I'd watch it again I could put it on right now and watch it again I will go do some cleaning <laughs> yeah I don't know if I could watch it again um <laughs> I'd love to go see it live I, I think I'd mm-hmm. you know I'd love to go and see it with Donny Osmond do you mean Jason? Not Donny Osmond, Jason Donovan. There's, there's a difference. I think I would always love to go see anything done in person because mm. it will always lose something in translation. Yeah. And I'm sure, um, I'm sure that on when you're there in the theatre watching it, you don't care as much and you enjoy it. I think there's a distance of the TV. But I think they've made a good, a positive effort to like lower that distance by including the the audience i think you could have cut that you could have had it similar to the rocky horror not in terms of like doing it rocky horror but actually the way that the the lips and the narrator start no i think i think that context works because you watch the audience the children that you watch them come in and sit down and you see their anticipation for what's about to happen the same way that you feel it when you go to the theatre. Yeah, I don't know. I think for me it took me out a bit more having mm. them there and just laughing at the fact that children are watching this. Okay. Um, I'm really I'm, sad that you didn't really love this. It was, I mean, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. I've sat here. This is, the, this is the most I've watched a film in a long time without staring at my phone. That's true. This is, this is the most I've sat and watched something without any kind of distraction nearby yeah. bar my notes this is the f- first time I felt like I'm back at university <laughs> watching a film and writing notes mm-hmm. and actually like paying attention to a film as opposed to a film's on in the background okay and I did enjoy it from that sense like I enjoyed it I think the biggest you know the costumes are great the sets are great and I think the casting spot on I think the cast did phenomenally yeah I don't like the songs oh, wow. and I think as a musical if you if you can't come out of it and say the songs were if you come out of a musical and think I didn't like the songs the musicals failed yeah so the the points it's got are for great costumes majority great sets and good casting yeah but I think you know the... okay so next time we are going to be watching a Stephen Sondheim musical and we are going to be uh, looking at Into the Woods, which hopefully you will enjoy a little bit more musically. I really like Into the Woods. It is a very long musical compared to Joseph. But we are going to be watching the Disney version, which is now on Disney Plus, because we finally have that. Um, and we could watch the stage version, because there is a, a recorded version of the Bernadette Peters original cast, I believe. Um, however, in the interest of uh, trying to see versions that you've heard of and going for the sort of shorter option because the stage version is longer than the Disney Plus version. We're going to go with that. 
but we will be talking about the differences between the Disney version and the original show. I'm sure somewhere down the line we can watch the original theatrical show and give a review on that and see how it compares to um, the Disney adaptation of it. I'm sure that's something we can think of doing down the line, but... And I'm sure I'll spend a lot of time in the uh, Into the Woods episode saying, well, in the original stage show, because I do that a lot anyway. Yeah, and I think, like you say, in the interest of keeping it shorter mm-hmm. um, and keeping it in, in line with the ones I've heard of, I knew Into the Woods because I remember seeing the promotion um, when it came out. Because yeah. it's fairly recent, it's a lot newer than Joseph was. Um, so it'd be very interesting to see that one. Um, if you'd like to get involved in the conversation at all, we do have various social media channels that you can use to talk with us. Maybe you want to share your thoughts on Joseph. Maybe you disagree completely with my take and you'd like to tell me why I'm wrong. Or yeah. maybe you agree with me and no one's ever said it the same way I have. Um, so you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at it's a musical pod. No apostrophe in it, or you can email us if you feel like emailing at it's a musical pod at gmail.com. Again, no apostrophe in it. But let us know your thoughts on Joseph. Let us know your thoughts on Into the Woods. Is there anything that I should know about Into the Woods? Um, get involved in the conversation. Hmm. Uh, tweet us, Instagram us, email us. Yeah. And until next time, you've been listening to It's a Musical Podcast. I'm Danny. And I'm Drew. And thank you so much for stopping by.